Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Dumpty Dum is sponsored this week by the other Sarah to promote ovarian cancer awareness. Symptoms of ovarian cancer are non-specific and commonly mistaken for constipation, irritable bowel and bloating. With early detection at stage 1, the 5-year survival rate is 92%, but with higher stages, this drops to 20%. Make sure you know the symptoms by contacting the Ovarian Cancer Organisation in your country. If any close female family member has ovarian or breast cancer, consider genetic testing for prostate cancer, along with regular PSA tests. Lucy? Yep. What is this? Well, I'll tell you. It's Dumbly Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that set in Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the salute to the sun, that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the downward facing dog, that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our yoga retreat, folks, is you. Now, today's Dumbly Dum was sent in by Jeff McQueen back in the day. Uh, Lucy? Yep. Can you remind our listeners that love us dearly? How then win the accolade of Dumpty Dummer of the Week? Yes, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or blow the dust off your third eye. Ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. He's still getting on very well with Milena, for those of you that have asked. Uh, they've been Skyping and all that sort of stuff. He did feel a bit inadequate when she showed him her PhD and all her diplomas and stuff. So he showed her his nectar card and, and he said she went <laughs> silent. So he thinks she was quietly <laughs> impressed. On this week's truncated show, we have Andrew Horn, who thinks that Kate's her father's daughter, with a spoon from Manhattan, who has psychoanalyzed us. Cosmo, who is in despair. Yokel Bear, who still hates Phil Smith. Jacqueline Bordeaux, who's had a laugh. Eggstones, who has an idea about Auntie Cardboard. And Isaac Q, who wants to talk about what's gone right. It's really nice. I love it when people are positive. Yeah. But first, before we get to the corner in us, let's speak to Auntie Lucy, where she's going to tell us about the last week in Ambridge. <laughs> This week on The Archers was sponsored by Magic Wands Incorporated. Carol wanted a magic wand to perk Bert up. Vivat Rex wanted someone to wave a magic wand to get him some land. But only one of those things happened. Henry gave Wob a Father's Day card, which sent chills through the listening public. Then he got sent out to play with his balls. Helen had Titchy Knob's whites laid out for him on his bed. And then she got all girly and tearful about the good news, i.e. Titchy Knob is now completely free to ruin her life as well, the lucky girl. Johnny came back for a bit to be patronised into the ground by Sausage Boy about Father's Day. Adam told Neil to use the heavy roller before the cricket match. He's right, the heavy roller gives a much better wave and the curl stays in for longer if you use lots of L-net. 
Charlie hobbled up to Adam and asked anxiously if Ian would be at the cricket match, gave him a birthday card, invited him to have a look at his executive cricket box and generally said everything except, I love you, Adam, do you love me, Adam, do you? Adam said Kate was hatching something or other. Crabs, probably. In another <laughs> ludicrous personality shift, Lillian actually listened to Unbearable Kate and did yoga with her as a preamble to Unbearable's plan to open alternative health centre. Where? Mm. There's not even room for a bloody poultry farm in the middle of a, and they're in the middle of a farming community. While Lillian had one leg hooked behind her ear and a kundalini in the air, unbearable Kate wouldn't <laughs> untie her until she'd agreed that it was a lovely business plan full of pretty pictures and that she would help her write it out properly and colour in up to the lines. Kate then immediately said, as did Lillian, and I don't know why this even surprised me, well, when you show it to Brian, it'll have to look good, or words to that effect. Why on earth would she not go to a bank and get a proper business loan? Why this automatic default to daddy when becoming indebted to daddy always goes wrong? Mm. Anyway, Lillian knows all about debt. I can't go round paying everyone that asks, darling, she said, making it all sound entirely reasonable. You know, you kind of can go round paying everyone that you owe money to, Lillian. It's called honesty. Instead of sitting on your Max Mara bottom, boozing and advising <laughs> others on their business concerns from your lofty position as an alcoholic bankrupt. Pat and Tony tried to put a brave face on Helen's engagement to Titchinop, then had a heartfelt discussion as they looked out across the reed beds, draining all their poo away, about what they'd achieved in their time at Bridge Farm. They've lost a Welsh accent and changed character twice for a start. Heather Pet hates any mention of the word care, apparently, particularly when it's preceded with the words, I don't, from David. <laughs> Pip and Vivat Rex went out for a drink. Pip sipped her WKD and Rex had his head in his bowl, dripping water everywhere. All they need is a few acres, said Rex, and we are so dedicated to the idea. So dedicated that we are planning on giving up completely after at least a fortnight of trying to go... No. So dedicated that we are planning on giving up completely after at least a fortnight of trying to go and be one of those irritating middle-class gits in hackett tops spying on teenage girls fishing the sand out of their wetsuits in Newquay. It's such a great idea with so much potential selling seasonal poultry, said Pip. What? The Grundies have been doing it for bloody decades and they've never made a penny. Pip then tried to manipulate the entire village into letting the fair brethren operate a poultry farm from their homes. Come on, Auntie Peggy, you could fit at least three geese under your bed and a couple of turkeys in your airing cupboard. But no, David was suckered <laughs> into it in the end, so now we'll have the two sheepdogs panting round Pip all summer, pouring at her and shoving their noses up her crotch. <laughs> the good folk at the ball have gone completely mad and decided to turn the area outside the ball into a murray mint and give people hampers to eat on it and make them sit under a piece of bin bag stretched over a deck chair. Kenton then got turned down like a bedspread by the Fate Worse Than Death Committee who unanimously refused his generous offer of a pile of loose chippings by the car park. Brian and Adam had the sort of conversation where everyone gets cross and I don't understand what it all means. All I hear is lammy, lammy, lamb costs fee lamb. Then Brian cheered up with a wine tasting at Grey Gables, which consisted of a selection of wines to surprise you, he said. That'll be Blue Nun, a bucket of sangria and Carol Toboggan's vintage cow parsley and Listerine. Carol Toboggan teased us all by saying she was a little bit witchy. With half the village on crutches, you'd think she'd be anointing diseased limbs ref right and centre. The bees love Carol's Achillea, apparently. Maybe she should stop smearing honey on it. Jill and Carol got a bit pissy boots and Carol announced she was trying to work out how to get Bert going again. Maybe she could use her magic wand as a sort of splint. Otherwise, I reckon it's jump leads and a couple of bottles of day nurse. Brian said Jill seemed a bit exuberant. You betcha, she was exuberant as a newt. Jill and Pip both came home drunk and fought over the cold water tap. Did you have a nice time? Jill has now stopped hooting and started answering very faintly as if she's actually fading away. Yes, I was out. Yes, thank you, I did. Jenny Darling got all excited about the environmental report on the plans for the road scheme. It is really exciting. It will shake Ambridge to the core. I don't understand what on earth it is, but it is very, very good and it will change everything. Hurrah, the end. Did oh, oh <coughs> that, that, that was a bit of a sudden end. I know. I was busy texting. You called me. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that not only should we go into why <laughs> to why Lucy's in a bit of a bad mood today, Royfield. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Uh, it's because it's too hot for you. 
We're, yeah. we're suffering from a heat wave and you're an English rose. You can't deal with heat. Or the alternative Why don't we keep things onto, uh, onto the arches? Onto the arches. Okay. All right. Now, I must admit, I was a little bit surprised that the, uh, the fair brethren were going to give up so quickly. Yeah, it was literally a fortnight. Mm. And it was only one of them because the other one was too busy turning swimming pools purple and <laughs> leaping around, wasn't he? Chasing, chasing mm. women. You know, if, you, if you're looking for um, you know, uh, a couple of young people to invest in, they're not really so much fortitude or staying power, have they? Absolutely none. Mm. However... There are, there are lots of questions about this. A, why is Vivat Rex going into business with Toby? Because he clearly loathes him and Toby has shown himself oh, even at this stage to be completely unreliable. I don't know about loathes him. But well, they're very different characters, aren't they? They're very extremely, different. He's extremely realistic about his shortcomings, isn't he? Mm. Well... You know, it's siblings. You know, mm. you can you're thrown together by a quirk of genetic fate. Doesn't mean that you um, agree, understand. Yeah, but uh, it also doesn't mean you go into business together. You can well, you can coexist but, but perfectly know, we, peacefully with that. But we don't know what happened in Brighton. Exactly, Maybe Brighton it holds exactly. the key, mm-hmm, and we'll mm-hmm. never know because no, the lady we, that we rang will. in won't of, tell us. Of course. <laughs> I reckon she was slightly pulling our chain about knowing what went on in Brighton. She's got no idea. <laughs> but um, however, I will pull you up about one slight thing in your monologue in between me sending texts uh, mm-hmm. to, to my friends whilst you were uh, chatting away. Um, you said something about why does Kate have to go to the bank of mom and dad? Yeah. And we did uh, many moons ago kind of touch on this. Uh, or at least, you know... Oh, you need capital and collateral and all that, and she hasn't got any. There you Was go. Was that it? There you yeah, go. Yeah, okay. And uh, it's the idea... But I... she hasn't even tried. If I was her, I suppose she can't... I mean, normally everyone goes to the bank of Peggy, don't they? But they can't because Peggy's not best pleased with Kate. Mm. And she'll be even less pleased when she finds out she's left her course. But... And her marriage has gone down the plug hole. But... If I was Kate, I would be moving heaven and earth to avoid having to approach Brian for money. No, you you, you don't understand Kate then. You don't understand Kate. Kate has got such a sense of entitlement. Yeah. All right, if I was me then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I am me, so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Are you not Kate? Because have you you seen her picture? (laughs) I know. She, yeah. It's kind of, it changes things a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she's wasted on radio as that actress who's playing Kate. Yeah, she's maybe, a... maybe you could make a, speci- a special request to BBC at the Archers and ask them to post pictures of Kate in the swimming pool as appeared in <laughs> Rochester Echo. Um, did you understand this, this baloney at the end about the environmental report? Um, I think I did. What, what, what have they found out? I listened and I listened it's twice. Something to do with the, the water table makes Route B not viable because um, it's going to flood all the time. Worse of that effect. Oh. I, it, you know, I all I heard was water table, flood too much. It was, you know, I think I just about discerned what was going on. Oh, so it's nobody's fault. They haven't discovered that anybody did anything. It was. It's just... Maybe I need to go back and actually completely listen to that episode. If it's so anyone's what, what you're fault, if sounds it's completely right. No, no, no. I think that's right. But whether the the survey of the of the the area was done incorrectly, because then that it could then be someone's fault. Oh, right. But it's no one's fault. In it's terms nothing to do of, with the culvert you know, or anything like that. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Shall we do the emailer in the us first and then the, only because I've got an exciting one that I want to read out. Oh, you know what I love, Lucy? What? An exciting email. <laughs> Sarky sod. Um, this isn't it, but this is very nice too. Um, Scarlet Sparrow, who said, there's a vacancy for the tree warden. Kate knows the yoga tree posture. Unemployment problem solved. Yes, she can be a tree. She can be employed as a tree. Um, Cosmo has in his inimitable fashion, cleared up about 57 uh, loose ends for us, all in one email. I think Cosmo has a 
photographic, not photographic, whatever the oral equivalent of photographic is. Um, he says, one, it was William Grundy who was locked in the attic mm. at Blossom Hill Cottage when it was owned by Peggy Woolley. He was locked in by Kate and Helen. Helen freed Will and then she was banned from seeing Kate. Mm-hmm. Number two. Kate had an earlier disappearing event for some hours. She blamed her parents for never showing her any affection and sending her to boarding school. If I was Brian Jennifer, I would never show Kate any affection either. Well, that's rubbish, Lucy, but go on. Three. And we've established that you're you. Yeah, we have. Yes, I am not Kate. Betty. Brian fancied her. But no affair with Sid. It was simply her wanting to get away from Mike when he was in the depths of despair. It might have developed with Sid, as he was on his own at the time, but Betty loved Mike. Oh. Three. Oh, he's put three twice. There, attention to detail, Cosmo. Do pay attention. Oh, and Mike... he's an accountant. I know. Should we... we better take him off our tax return, haven't we? Our, dum... <laughs> our dumpty-dum budget's all going down the... This morning. Mike Tucker's accident was when he was working for the estate and a hydraulic pipe hit him in the eye. Christmas Day 1991 reconciliation with Betty when Mike was found sobbing. Poor Mike. Um, which was presumably the turning point when he started being nice and not a git. Now, this is our an amazing caller in Have you read this from M? No. I'm going to say no. <laughs> but oh, I had okay. read the Cosmo one though. Okay. She says... I have to say, I love your weekly podcast. Just the way it is, she says. I think that's about oh, the music. Oh, I, I, I have read, read, read this email. Okay. Yeah. I save about a month's worth of The Archers and Dumpty Dum to listen to in one go when I'm driving my truck around Europe. I've listened to The Archers for about 12 years and my mum has listened off and on since it began and each week we discuss the happenings. Well, that's all for now. I'll look forward to hearing my emails read out in a month's time. Best wishes, M. And I was intrigued by this about her trucking around Europe. So I said, uh, trucking about around Europe. I said, what are you doing? What is that? And he, she said, I am what's called a tramper, which is a lorry term for a driver that sleeps, well, actually lives in their lorry when working. Nice description for a female, isn't it? I drive loads out to Europe and bring back loads for the UK. That's as exciting as it gets, but I like it. I love the idea of her driving across, you know, the south of France, listening to Dumpty Dum and listening to us as she's going to bed in her cab thing. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Am I the only one that's excited by this? No, 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 no. It, it, it did excite me too, but I've just forgotten how excited I was by it. That's all. <laughs> and Nave reminded me I'm thoroughly excited. So, so thank you for reminding me how excited I was about that email, Lucy. Uh, and thank you, Em. Uh, we, 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 we love that. And um, I'm glad that you love things the way they are. Um, I want to see a picture of her and her truck. Do you think she'll send one in? I'm sure she will. Send us a picture, Em. Please do. It'd be lovely. Uh, Now what are we going to do? Calls. Great. (laughs) Who's first? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Greetings, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Andrew Horn here. Just a comment about Kate. Where does she get her behaviour from? This is sort of following up from the big discussion that the two of you had last week about why is she the way she is and her siblings aren't. Both Brian and Jenny can be quite forceful in their in their own ways. Um, Jenny is very single-minded when it comes to things like her kitchen and she absolutely will get Brian to give her what she wants I think it's sort of unspoken for all the all the heartache he's put her through and Brian is also just goes ahead and does things his way if you think about several of the farming decisions where he's just ignored Adam and just gone and, and done it very very forceful so I, I think Kate's probably more more like Brian than he probably care to admit Although this sort of lack of self-awareness is almost comical now. Anyway, not really much else to say. Have fun. Andrew Horn, he said, well, she's like Brian. And I'm a moron because I hadn't sort of put that together. But Brian just bulldozes his way into getting things that he wants. He gets hugely frustrated when they don't work out. He has a gigantic sense of entitlement. 
The only difference is he actually works well, that, hard. That's it. Well, that's... used to. It's like when he said, oh, should, do you think I should hang up my overalls, David? And David said, when was the last time you wore overalls? And I did think at the time, yeah, I can't really see Brian wading through cow shit, uh, you know, um, at any point. He's more about the kind of sitting in the office with a nice Glenfiddich and a, um, you know, some nice uh, 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 Aida playing while he does his his um, accountancy spreadsheets. It's He's hardly <clears throat> a hands-on farmer, is he? Well... He's hardly in the first flush of youth either, is he? And his farm. His I don't estate, remember his... him. Do you remember him ever doing that though? Well, he uh, a couple of times he has said, "Do I need to put on my overalls again?" So as far as he's concerned, there was a point when he when he did. Mm. But he always was somewhat kind of managerial, wasn't he? Yeah. Which kind of you know belies the size of his farm stroke estate stroke holdings type of thing. So yeah. he's not a David Archer who's, you know, forever got his shovel and doing whatever the heck farmers do. And, you know, yeah. uh, Brian's always been much more kind of managerial because it's much been, um, always been a much bigger enterprise. Uh, so have we, have we dealt with Andrew? We have. Okay. So and now good. with a spoon's corner. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here on this historic day. Let's get right down to it. A great show last week, despite the amusicality of it. It's like watching a film without a, without a soundtrack. Occasionally it works, but the music is so essential in setting the mood. Think of a horror movie without the scary score. Perhaps the bathtub selections of two weeks ago would be an appropriate choice as background music for the podcasts. So what made the show so excellent? It reflected an important underlying ethos of Dumpty Dum. Well, the first one is always, let's have a laugh. The next one is, the archers is life, life is the archers. The themes of family, relationships, work, recreation, sex, illness, and death are explored in the 13 minutes of Middle English farm life that we eavesdrop upon each day. Dumpty Dum gives us a chance to reflect upon this and consider our views on these issues. Let's take a look at Lucy and Royfield's discussion last week of two of them. First, family. Our hosts seem to endorse two somewhat different styles of parenting. They assess the impact of parenting on children differently as well, thus touching upon the whole nature versus nurture debate. While last week I congratulated Brian for stepping up to the plate in his confronting Kate, I didn't mean to absolve him and Jen's earlier parenting errors. Since I'm a relatively new listener, I'm not aware of the timeline of earlier family conflicts. Perhaps it was because of Brian's philandering and absence that Jennifer over-identified with and indulged Kate. Note that children in the same family are born with different temperaments, and adjustments in parenting styles are often required to address the differing needs of siblings. So I side with Lucy on this. If Kate was raised with more limit-setting, her natural grandiosity, self-importance, and nastiness may have been tamed. But then where's the drama and fun in that? Parentheses, if I were Roy, I would have slapped her after she put down his home and family this week, end parentheses, period. On to romance, specifically Fallon and good old PC Harrison Burns. Once again, our co-hosts had differing views, but perhaps not as divergent as it may appear. Royfield is clearly the romantic, and I applaud him for that. Harrison's attempt to provide a romantic birthday touched an emotional memory for him. Lucy thought that Harrison's actions were controlling, perhaps akin to Rob's behavior. I disagree. In the end, Harrison read Fallon's emotional needs better than anyone else did. So is Lucy a secret romantic as well, seeking a roguish Prince Charming for Fallon? One who will accompany her on a life of great adventure? But in the long run, is being kind and generous of spirit a better choice? My money is on Harrison, though again, some conflict and drama will need to be stirred up in the future. So, Angus, handsome husband, and I are off to Baltimore this weekend for my big brother Kenton, I mean Jeff's, surprise party for his 60th. My brand new sister-in-law is throwing it. I do hope she's read his emotional needs correctly. I'll let you know next week. Till then, happy marriage equality day from the U.S. of A. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis signing off. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Dip, dip, dip.
Witherspoon has psychoanalyzed us and he is applauding you for being romantic. And he says, I am a horrible, bitter old cow. It's not um, really the, what he said now, is it, Lucy? Yes, he did. And uh, I am not seeking a roguish Prince Charming with a spoon. I am seeking a tall, dark, handsome credit card. Actually. <laughs> uh, yes. We like Witherspoon's calls, don't we? Always, always. Mm. Uh, not just us, but all the listeners. I know. Hello, Lucy, Roy, Ifield, and everyone else at Dumpty Dum. Cosmo here. I know I've been missing for a couple of weeks, but I've been catching up with listening to the archers properly, as I find I keep missing things. And quite often I find my thoughts have been well reported by other correspondents. This week, however, the writer is Paul Broderick, and once again... He has penned a storyline which simply does not bear examination and undermines our belief in the village, the ecosystem, and indeed requires such suspension belief that it jars, and his absence of knowledge of past history is shaming. In fact, there are two such fractures. Many years ago, a joint operation involving a number of sheep farmers inside and outside the village was formed to create the Hassett Hills brand. This included Brian with Debbie at Home Farm and David and Ruth at Brookfield. The group agreed to share out the lambing pattern with Home Farm going for early lambing so that the premium Hassett Hills brand could be marketed over a longer period, increasing incomes overall to cover the marketing activities and by working together to reduce costs through bulk buying of feed. Consequently, Adam cannot change the lambing dates for Home Farm without undermining his colleagues within the joint operation, or cooperative as I think it was. And it was particularly surprising that David seems to have also forgotten about Hassett Hills, no doubt worrying about Heather. It was the first major exercise in the village to obtain proper branding and to build a business across more than one farm, sadly now forgotten. Secondly, the fair brethren. Any farm business tenancy requires at least 12 months' notice of termination. So if it is just for a few months, the notice has to be given before it starts. And how come David can be so generous with land? He already rents some to the Grundies so that they can have the cider shed without planning permission. I am, however, looking forward to the geese and duck sound effects. And if it is geese for Christmas, shouldn't Eddie be worrying about turkeys? After all, Linda is worrying about the panto. Oh, heaven help us. By the way, I think that Rex has a higher vocal pitch, so I might be able to tell them apart, but would prefer Toby to live in Newquay to solve the problem. Finally, can I comment on Friday's episode where I thought that I had stumbled into an episode from Doctor Who as waiting for somebody to re talk about reversing the polarity. For a planning application, a level 2 flood risk assessment is needed and this does not require a hydraulic model. Poorly written, using techno babble rather than the writer managing a proper explanation. I hoped for better. It is over a month until my next holiday when I am going to Scotland. Enjoying the podcast and sometimes enjoying the archers. Cosmo. Cosmo has deserted us in favour of actually listening to the archers, he says, because he suddenly realised all he was doing was listening to Dumpty Dum and he wasn't actually paying any attention to what was going on in the archers. <laughs> Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Yokel Bear here calling from a well-known town in North Wiltshire. We need to talk about Kenton. Kenton is probably one blow up away from being on the church tower with a rifle. It's all going a bit bowling for Columbine. Now, see, I kind of got him to start with because, believe me, I can hold a grudge with the best of them. When I was 14 years old, Phil Smith at my school threw my copy of Lord of the Rings, my prized possession, yeah, I was a bit of a nerd, into the swimming pool. And I tell you what, here we are. Decades later, never forgive, never forget, and I will get my revenge for that one day. But even I'm thinking, for Christ's sakes, Kenton, would you just give it up? So what? David didn't give you the money. You shouldn't have spent all that bloody money before you had it in your bank account, you reckless swine. No wonder the world economy is in such a bloody state with people like Kenton around. I don't really have much sympathy for him. In fact, he's just bloody annoying me now. And I'm swearing quite a lot, aren't I? That's what he's doing to me. Okay, then. That's me done. I agree. Kenton is the human equivalent of Greece. Now, he's kind of gone completely berserk. Um, is throwing down impossible challenges to people. And then when they're quite reasonably going, mm, don't really think that's going to work. Declaring that they are somehow... Um, 
uh, you know, trying to 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 ruin him, trying to deliberately jeopardize his business. Where is Jolene in all this? She is not a quiet woman, is she? She is an opinionated, in a good way, you know, forthright woman. Why is she not saying to him, shut up, just calm the fuck down? Excuse the language. But honestly, well, it's getting a bit... To, to be fair to Jolene, she has on a couple of occasions said, oh, come on, Kenton. She did try and engineer uh, a rapprochement between uh, Kenton and Ruth a few, uh, like a month or so back. She was the conduit for that. And that blow-up in front of his mother wasn't in front of Jolene. No, that's true. That's true. Yes, in fact, most of them haven't been in front of her, have they? Mm. There you go, because she is actually somewhat of a temperate kind of influence on him. She would have gone, no. She would have given him a a slap behind doors for that carry-on. So, mm. A slap behind doors sounds like a 70s sitcom. Um. Yokel Bear says Kenton has gone postal uh, and he wishes to, uh, we, well, I, I am going to, um, you know, you know, we ask the Dumpty Dummers to sometimes find out things for us or those that have professional, uh, you know, um, mm. could, d- d- expertise in a certain area. Could we sort of mm. rope them in? Well, what we need now is a hit man. Uh, or woman. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Goddess Diva. Perfect. Yep. Uh, we need to find... Phil Smith, who when he was 14, or when uh, Yoko Bear was 14, threw his copy of Lord of the Rings in the swimming pool. Um, I presume, Yoko Bear, you have gone down the obvious route of looking at LinkedIn, fanatically searching Google, finding out where he lives, and then how much he earns and everything else. So you can feel, uh, you know, uh, happy that you, 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 you have a happy life and he is hopefully having a shit life the danger with that is that obviously <laughs> you then find out that he now you know is a multi-millionaire and uh you know is you know rolling in it and is extremely happy because that's intensely annoying um but i'm sure he's not i'm sure he's awful anybody that throws books in water will the foulest of foul beings so he won't be he won't be happy wherever he is he won't be happy can i just quickly say mm. Um, if you want to listen to a story which is laugh out loud funny, download, I think it's now last week's This American Life, which there's a story about a caretaker of a, a block of flats in Manhattan who actually was a hitman. I kid you not. It's just the, the most incredible but funny story. Wow. So This American Life, you will piddle yourself laughing and then be slightly chilled as well wow hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I love this American life. Oh, It's, it's very good. It's, you, you introduced me to that. I hadn't heard of it before you. Hmm. Hmm. That's mm. Oh, really? Hi, you two. This is Jacqueline Berthoud from Sanguin in France. 
I have to say, I've been in radio silence for the last few weeks. Hectic, like, hectic things going on here. But um, so I've just had a marathon catch up with Dumpty Dum for two weeks and two omnibuses. Um, I'm a bit confused by lots of the storylines, but the one thing that made me laugh out loud uh, when I was working in my greenhouse uh, today was the fact that Charlie loves Adam's stroke. How sweet is that? Hmm? The story goes on. Lots of things I could say, but I'm not going to bore you with them for now. Too many things to do. See you soon. Bye. Jacqueline Berthoud said she laughed when Charlie said he liked Adam's stroke. The balance of power between those two just shifts completely, doesn't it? Yeah, it has completely shifted. Uh, but I mean, I think it'll probably shift back. But there's something about Charlie being on crutch. Well, I suppose maybe having a near-death experience can do that to a fella. But, um, you know, he's sort of hopping around on his crutches. Sort of, It's like he's kind of hurrying to try and catch up with, with Adam, who's kind of hasn't got time for him. And he's sort of following, hopping along behind, going, Adam, Adam, wait, wait, wait. You know, and then he said, will Ian be coming? And, you know, or will I have you all to myself kind of thing? Mm. And then and then the bit I did like, and I had a little inward cheer, was the frostiness between him and Rob. Yes. When he said, well done, Rob. And uh, and uh, he said, thank you, Charlie. And it was incorrect. You could tell these mm. are two men that do not trust each other further than they can throw each other. Mm. No, that, that, that Which I thought boded very well for the return of Stefan. So, so is it Stefan? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is Stefan. Yes. Yeah. So he's coming back, is he? I don't know. I hope so. He's the only one that knows, isn't he? Well, no, because David knows too, doesn't he? Yes, but he's the first-hand one. He's the he's the only one that could actually go to the police and say anything mm. because they promised that they won't say anything. Or the environmental authorities. Da da da! Environmental <laughs> authorities don't sound like they have a lot of kicking power, though, do they? Really? <laughs> well, I'm Tony an environmental and... authority. I'll be in enormous trouble. I'll write you a stern letter. Well, Tony and Pat Archer seem to think that they do. They get very oh, worried true. about them, don't they? Yes. But they get worried about everything, don't they? Mm. Well, they've had good reason to, because they nearly poisoned half of Borsetshire, <laughs> haven't they? When they passed those bears. So. True enough, yes. <laughs> I suppose that would, that would make you a little bit jumpy about letters that arrive in <laughs> brown envelopes. Oh, God, what have we done? <sighs> um, and now, first time caller in a row, Eggstones. Hi, my name is KJ. I'm also known as Eggstones on Twitter. I'm calling to make another plot prediction and hopefully this time it will be a better one than my last one about Rob and Adam. I suspect that the whole anti-cardboard woodbind cottage storyline has one purpose and that is to finally give Fallon the opportunity to open her tea room, thus killing two birds with one stone. That is getting anti-cardboard somewhere she can live and Fallon the tea room. I'm rambling now. And before I stop rambling, I'm just going to say I wish that someone would knock some sense into Kate's head and preferably use Rob as the weapon. Loving the postcard? Over and out. Bye. He thinks Fallon will open the tea room in Auntie Cardboard's house. You are... I, if you are not right, I... You'll be wrong. You'll be wrong, and so will I. I think that is an excellent idea. Hmm. Because as he says, you need it's like it's like Monopoly. You kind of need to open up another house, don't you? Because when everybody's they've got to have one empty house in Ambridge at all times for plot reasons. If everyone's got houses, there's nowhere anyone else can move into once they break up with somebody. Nobody new can come. Either someone's got to die or <laughs> do you know what I mean? You've got to have a, no, it's not um Monopoly. What's it? drafts? It's like you've got to have a spare one that you can leap over to get to. Do you know what I mean? Does that sound mental? It does a bit, doesn't it? Mental wouldn't be the word that I would use. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting theory. But um and I could be getting my weeks mixed up. But um Roy Tucker was talking about the new neighbours that have moved yeah. in next door. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what new neighbours? Yeah, exactly. Where have they come from then? And you... Also, where is the estate agent in Ambridge? Because you have four Ambridge. I mean, you've got... um. Oh, who's that awful slimy man who I can't bear uh, from the estate management company? Graham Ryder. Mm-hmm. He, but he does land management, doesn't he? I, I'm not... I think you're right. But 
Rodways. It's Rodways, isn't it? Yeah, Rodway and Watson. Yeah. Or maybe just Rodways now. But there's no kind of like, you know, right move, is there? Or hearts or whatever. <laughs> with some git in pointy, really shiny shoes telling you that don't worry, that wall will come down really easily and all that. There's nobody like that. What have you get got against pointy, shiny shoes? Is, are you wearing pointy, shiny shoes? <laughs> you can't be. It's way too hot. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, you, are, you are right that there is a certain lack of kind of uh, basic kind of uh, societal amenities. <laughs> there we go. There's me searching for... You so know. they've got a bloody... Do you know, I remember going to a place in Cornwall once. And oh, it was yes. a beautiful little village. And I was thinking, oh, yes, we're, I could live here. I could mm. definitely live here. I could just see myself here. And then I ch- tried to buy some milk. And it kind of put me right off. Because <laughs> I could have bought a milk jug encrusted with sh- uh, seashells. Mm-hmm. And I could have bought artisanally made brie. And I could have bought... Uh, some uh, hand-woven shawl, but I couldn't buy mm. sodding milk anywhere. And it just sort of makes you, re- you know, when you get those places that are so geared to sort of arty-crafty things and looking gorgeous, and actually you can't live in them because you have to drive for 25 minutes to actually get to somewhere where there are basic things like milk and bread and, you know. Well, I know they've got the farm shop, but... Yeah, well, that's not really the same thing. And really, yeah. the what you've described there is the way that Ambridge is becoming you know yeah. with, with the farm shop with your yeah we've got the tea service the farm shop mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you, so, so you've got a box delivery scheme but you can't buy milk anywhere absolutely you can get it delivered but that's going to pack up soon anyway isn't it mm. while you're surrounded by cows nuts but then I guess that's the way the countryside is going not just the countryside central London too really oh come on yeah, haven't you well, read you all these articles about London? the fact that the, the emptying out of central London? I, I, I'm loath to go on into a two-minute conversation about this. And I'm <laughs> loath to start it by saying it's my podcast, so I will. But I'm going to try and praisey this. So I'm loath to have a massive diversion here, Lucy. And, ah, uh, go on. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. But this problem um, with lack of basic amenities in the countryside isn't just limited to the countryside because the same phenomena is happening in certain bits of central London because uh, of the fact that the properties there are second and third properties of rich magnets from overseas. So there's actually depopulation happening. Ah. Uh, So in Mayfair and in Belgravia, um, corner shops, which are very few and far between anyway, um, they're just not viable anymore. Oh, I see. Yes. And the same phenomena has been happening in Venice for about 50 years. Venice is somewhere which is literally unlivable for Venetians because so many properties are second, third owned properties because it's so beautiful that actually what you're left with is what's, it's almost like a Disneyland. And I think the UN has actually said it's going to be the first city which will be absolutely empty of real residents. And the population of Venice, the population of Venice in the 1960s was about 160,000. It's now less than 40,000. And each (gasps) year it goes down even more. So when you go to Venice, people walk walk around the canals and and whatever, and it's incredibly beautiful. You actually go to the the residential areas and there's hardly any lights on. And all you're seeing are all the other tourists. You look at a lot of great gleaming London towers. And it's a similar thing. Similar thing. Uh, a lot of oh, these great new awful. developments in London are only a third occupied, but they're held as investment opportunities uh, for people that own them. They don't need to live there. They don't even necessarily need people even to uh, to rent them. It's quite scary. The same thing's happened in Venice. Well, it's sinking anyway, isn't it? So that's all right then. Yeah. So Maybe so, if there's so, less people, it might not sink so fast. It will bob so up again. So the parallels with Ambridge... <laughs> Ambridge is the Venice of the Midlands. (laughs) (laughs) That would be Eddie's next thing. I'm going to be a gondolier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and another Mm. new caller in a row. 
Isaac Q from Winnipeg. Good morning, Lucy and Roy. I feel this is Isaac from Winnipeg. Uh, Isaac Q on Twitter, a longtime listener, but this is my first time coloring. Um, I'm the sort of listener who who loves to uh, organize things into lists, so I thought I would call you guys with a top five today. Uh, but since so much of our time is spent complaining and nitpicking, and believe me, I've got plenty to complain about with uh, with my beloved archers. I thought today that I would focus on the top five things that the archers has done right in the first half of 2015. Of course, this is all my opinion, and my opinions may be kind of controversial in some cases. So number five, I think, is Charlie uh, being fleshed out as a more complex character. It really started uh, shortly after uh, New Year's when he had that heart-to-heart with Adam about his, what he wants out of, out of life and love. And um, he is still technically a baddie, you know, there's no doubt about that. But he also has it out for Rob, which instantly makes him likable to us as listeners. And so there's, you know, a complexity there that uh, is missing from a lot of the male characters, as we've said. But I'm enjoying seeing that development. Number four for me was Vicky's conversation with Brenda. Because a lot of the conversation, a lot of, sorry, of the storyline about uh, Mike and Vicky leaving has focused on Mike. And that's understandable since he's been on the Archers for decades. But I really always loved Brenda. And so one of my favorite things on the Archers was when Brenda slowly warmed up to Vicky. You may recall it that she hated her for the longest time. And so I really liked seeing that relationship develop back in the day. And so it was nice that Vicky's farewell conversation on the show was with Brenda. And it really, I found that touching. Number three has been every moment with Kate. Uh, so many quotables. She's just so despicable. And uh, it's just radio dynamite every time she opens her mouth. Number two was Rob's phone conversation with Jess after the results came in from the paternity test. That was the climax of a very long, disturbing antagonism between those two and just a super chilling shutdown on his part. Just, I couldn't believe some of the things he was saying and that, that was, that was delicious. And number one has to be Brian's dialogue. I feel like the writers just cut loose when they write Brian. They, they say how they really feel about sensuous situations. So often he's the voice of the listener. I really hope this storyline with Adam right now doesn't kill the humor of Brian, because I know that for a couple years there, on and off, we lost our Lillian to uh, strife and heartache with Paul and Matt. Uh, let's hope that Brian can remain upbeat. I uh, hope you guys are doing well, and take care. Bye-bye. And his favourite, or my favourite of the top five things that the Archers got right is Charlie being flushed out as a complex... Flushed out? Fleshed out as a complex character. Yes. And I agree. And I want, But I want something to happen with him now because it's kind of tiddled on for a bit, hasn't it? Where we've kind of got used to him suddenly being um, not the cocky little shite we thought he was, except he sort of is still a cocky little shite, but, you know, lesser... Or there's reasons behind his cocky little shitiness. Uh, mm. But we don't know what, we don't know why, we don't know where that's going to go. I still think he's Justin Elliott's stepson. Well, I, I don't know about that, and I, I generally don't know about that. But I think that um, Charlie mellowing has been happening for quite some time, mm. and it hasn't just been vis-a-vis Adam. Because remember, after him and Ed had that run-in, he then did months afterwards turn around to Ed and say, do you need, need work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that was nothing at all to do with him fancying no. Adam. No, no. You know, so it's like he does feel that he's part of the village community now yeah. and sees people's worth. And, uh, yeah, so I like me a bit of Charlie. I, I think he's all right. <laughs> I really I've do. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> so like Linda <laughs> Linda likes her a little bit of Charlie as well um, where does Charlie live don't know it's never said is it no I'm sure it was once because he does because Cosmo he, will he, know he drives about a lot doesn't he yeah. so but yeah but I can't remember it's one of those horrible soulless bachelor things with all pine floorboards and leather furniture and enormous flat screen TV and no food in the fridge and anyway that's what i describing my flat there oh sorry am i (laughs) well you you were around there last night you know exactly what my place (laughs) is like shut your face if i'd been around there last night you wouldn't have still been in bed this morning but actually we better not go down this route had we because that Mm, was something a little bit dodgy mm. next call hello dumpty dum it's mrs bentos here this week i've been traumatized by listening to Pip flirting outrageously with 
Toby Fairbrother yet again. I found it all very uncomfortable and frankly a little bit bizarre. The bit where Toby picked her up and whirled her around and kissed her while Rex watched on and drooled in the background made me feel rather uncomfortable. Um, I was just wondering also in what way they were practically family. That's what Pip said to David. I mean, fair enough, he did tell her that was complete cobblers and rightly so. And I just found it all a bit odd. And she was asking David to rent a bit of his farm out to them so that she could basically get her dad to pay for having a boyfriend. It's all a bit grim. Also, I, I think she's maybe on heat. I think that's the only explanation for her really rather random behaviour. I also feel frankly quite appalled at her um, at her choice in men. I mean, why does she really fancy a man whose party trick is to do a gosling impression? I found this all very odd. What is a gosling impression anyway? I sort of was imagining what sort of actions he might be doing while he was making that noise that sounded like a squeaky bicycle wheel. Um, and then I started wondering about how it varied in tone from any other young bird impression and maybe does he in fact do a goose impression too and then I started wondering about when Gosling stopped squeaking and started honking it all basically got rather confused and I wasn't really listening to the rest of the scene at that point the main query for me is how on earth does that make him sexy because I can't say it uh, did much for me but she seemed to like it Uh, when the boys said how can we ever repay you I think we all can imagine what Pip might have in mind. Give me a man that can burst a bag of crisps any day. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout my has, life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and um, we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before and when I read about it what I read or what I took away from the article was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes, 1001 Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown. G'day everyone, Millie Bell here, starting off with the cricket. Did anyone else think the cricket stuff was all sexual innuendo, asked Virginia Edwards in Archer's Appreciation. Or is it just my inflamed imagination? If not, it was deadly boring. Pam Radford in Ambridge Addict said, How galling was it on a scale of 0 to 10 that Rob rudely and arrogantly disregarded his captain's batting instructions and still came out the hero? Anyone else bitterly disappointed that he didn't come unstuck? Terry White in Ambridge Addicts also wants to talk about the cricket. When did the Borchester and District League switch from Saturday to Sunday play? They certainly played on Saturdays in 1997 because Josh was born September the 13th, which was a Saturday, and David had to rush from playing to hospital. In his absence, Ambridge clinched the league title and David rejoined them in the ball to celebrate when wet Josh's head good remembering Terry White. Nikki Smith in the Artist Appreciation is a bit of a hoot. She keeps saying who her latest silent characters are. And on Tuesday, she said, the people who have put the offer in on the shop are my new favourite characters. 
Jane Briggs in Archer's Appreciation. Have you got something for Rob, Henry? Yes, a smack in the mouth with a massive frying pan, you smug twonk. Oh, if only. Leslie Foley in Amber Jaddick said David to Ruth. You can't do everything. She wants to know how come Helen can do everything. Nikki Smith again says the magic opera singers are her new favourite characters. You can tell they're all trained at the Guild Hall. Ben Jolk in Archer's Appreciation Group says Kenton is taking place in Lower Loxley. It's a fate accompli. I'm glad Ben said that because somebody had to. Oh gosh, I absolutely agree with Alexandra Maris in Upstairs at the Ball here. She says, Kate, Roy, hot kettle. Phoebe doesn't need you to embarrass her, Roy. Please. I must admit, I nearly crashed a car at that moment. Brian Entwistle in Amber Jaddick said, It was interesting last night to hear Tony saying how he could not have survived without Pat all these years when it was the scriptwriter's intention that he was going to marry Mary Weston, who did some farm work for him. The character of Mary Weston was allowed to go as the actress was not available to make it a permanent part. I wonder what would have happened if Tony had married Mary Weston. Gosh, there's some great memories on here. Um, Rachel Tolhurst to our page said she was very pleased that there is a hairdresser in the Minions movie called Fabrice. Nikki Smith again says the heifers in the orchard are her new favourite characters. Albert Froome in a pri- Archer's Appreciation said, has there ever been a character in the Archers with a bone through their nose? To which David Millier responded, I believe that Grace Archer, Brackett's fair brother, was actually called Gary and was an, originally from Borneo. She, he, used to entertain regulars in the Plowmans by passing the thigh bones of farm-based mammals through her nose. It was a regular feature of the show in the 1950s. And on our page we said, and this was actually me, I just said, look, I've just had an idea. I don't have them often and I wanted to share them with you. Why don't the Fair Brothers buy an established business such as Mike's Milk Round, make their contacts and establish their business skills before jumping into a business which has a seasonal income? There were a lot of responses. Most people were saying, well, basically it's because they haven't thought it through. Laura Jo Elzinger says, perhaps Tobes isn't a morning person. Penelope Matheson says, what about the fact that the milk round no longer has a local reliable source of Guernsey milk? Good point. Guy Labrat, because A, yuppies don't do milk rounds. B, there is no milk round. And C, that storyline wouldn't give maximum grief and misery to the Grundies and Drippy Dave. And Cliss Deep said, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm not convinced those two have the sense God meant for geese. To which end I fully expect to hear about the lovely flock of geese working full-time to make the Fair Brothers suitable in time for Christmas. Alison Jones, though, said she didn't understand the business plan. 100 geese at, say, £70 each, less the feed expenses and the rent, doesn't leave very much for two people to live on for six months. Good point. Now, just before I go, I just want to say I'd really love some input from you all on what we can do to make our page more dynamic. I do worry sometimes that I'm just asking questions and get responses to things I'm interested in. So if you have any ideas, please jump onto the page and let us know. Hooroo! Thank you, Miss Bell. And thank you, our sponsor, Sarah Smith, who we stand up and salute every time uh, that advert comes on. And you know, as well as saluting, you know what I do, Lucy? What? I wipe something clean. <laughs> Yourself. Um, <laughs> Sarah is sending some um, some cloths to Sam Mary D and to, who else was it? Glyn Fullerlove, who both sent pictures of themselves being posher washers. So um, they're getting some some cloths from her brilliant just as a little thing uh that, that that's very lovely um th- quite a few of the listeners mm. actually already were using this product weren't they i know they're good mm. it's funny how i wasn't though i'm obviously not a posher washer <laughs> but anyway uh let's let's not digress this because this is all about the archers so why don't you tell us about the best <laughs> hashtag the archers tweets of the last seven days uh there's loads of these because i couldn't choose so i've just put them all in uh if we had any I hope hand, there's five there's because then this this section more, isn't fit for purpose lucy because i say it's your top five hashtag the archers Can you just say my top so you saying that there's loads of them sorry is gonna get me quite upset we're okay. trying to get keep this show ship shape and tight four five six there's seven seven Sorry, eight. Well, There's eight. I'm sorry, there's eight. But I couldn't choose. 
Anyway, just let me do them and I'll do them quickly. All right? Stop moaning. Mm. If we had any ham, said, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I find more compelling than someone reading from a risk assessment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sharon Evans, this made me pee myself laughing, um, uh, (laughs) was talking about Pat's holiday. You know, know she said, who still does that? Who still shows people their holiday photos for crying out loud? I did think that. I absolutely thought that. I thought they were going to have a bloody slideshow in a minute. God. Um, Anyway. Or uh, Super 8 Cine film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sharon Evans <laughs> said, here's Tony moaning on the trip to the ruins. Here's Tony moaning on the trip to the botanical <laughs> gardens. Here's Tony moaning about the azure skies. <laughs> Very funny. Um, uh, Steve, who is at NB Millie on the Twitters, uh, just put 10.58am and Kenton has come to the diary room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike Dark Blue Box said grubby little bar with a microwave best trip advisor comment ever um <laughs> paul douglas said they're almost family and you want to shag them <laughs> <laughs> it was very old that wasn't it she yeah, keeps it talking about and mm. also she seems to fancy both of them equally which is also you know a bit odd it's, it's i mean i think i don't know it's just peculiar and she keeps talking about well they're practically family dad and you think well you know take your hands out the trousers then Ugh. anyway uh david absalom said we'll all mix rest uh, david absalom said we'll all miss rex and toby particularly those of us who could work out which was which and which wasn't new tom <laughs> uh <laughs> poppy starkey said i have found someone i hate more than old pip new pip um and ruth Ian, who always makes me laugh said when uh, Pip and Jill were having their uh, heart to heart in the kitchen. You got it because you're a talented person in your own right. You're still pissed, aren't you, Gran? Which <laughs> 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 I thought was very funny. The end of the tweets of the week. Smashing. Now, Luce, mm-hmm. it's been a momentous week. Do you want to know why? What? Why? Guess how many reviews we've got on the UK iTunes store. Have we hit our total? Yeah. Oh, really? We have. We have. We've hit it. So now we so, have to send out mugs and things, don't we? Yeah, we do. But um, so because they don't we... live in Alaska or Cairo or something. Where do they live? Whoever it was. Uh, what's wrong with if they lived in Alaska, which is part of the United States, and Cafe Press delivers there? Do they? Yes. What about Cairo? Uh, well, that's not part of the United States. What about the Isle of Man? What about the Shetland Isles? Shetland Isles is a constituent part of the United Kingdom. Uh, the Isle of Man isn't. It's one of the Crown Dependencies. You are such a geek. <laughs> no, I just kind of know some stuff that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, that is absolutely the definition of a geek. Somebody who knows things about something you don't. Thus, a geek. Mm. So, um, wherever they live, we'll get them um, their mug and... Well, who was it then? Um... No, don't ask me because I didn't Why? do it. So. Oh, sorry. But next week we will unveil exactly who <laughs> was the 200 <laughs> reviewer. Seamless. And... Seamless that was. Yeah, like was a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> so right here and now, folks, yeah. there's no shop news. Hooray! Oh, sorry. That's not supposed to be a good thing, is it? No, you're no, supposed sorry. to go boom because you love shop news. Uh, there is no uh, order of John Archer. We're going straight to the end of the show. Uh, oh, no, not quite. So we're saying, oh, yeah, if you want to donate, go donate, hit the donate button. If you want to do Patreon, go to patreon.com. It's spelled in a funny way. Do you need the loo or something? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've, got to, I've got to take my Isha to, uh, to steel pants. If you want to go on patreon.com, you can go and do that. Uh, smashing super. Um, so, folks, remember you can send us a voice message via the site, or you can call us on 0203031305 from a normal phone, a phone phone that phones people. If you can't use the website, hmm, if you can't, because really it's pretty simple. But I understand maybe some people can't, like that friend of yours a few weeks back, Lucy. Should we just like run her message now, which she sent us? No, because she'll be really embarrassed. Don't. Okay, we won't do that then. Or you can ping us a textual type email message via the said same website which is dumdydum.com or you can find us on the twitters where we're at dumdydum or you can tweet me personally if you want to though i'm somewhat 
patch on Twitter. I used to be really good about three years ago. I've gone rubbish recently. But if you want to do that and bolster up me, me, the amount of followers, uh, you can do that. And I'm at Roy Fieldsford, R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Or me, and I was always rubbish on the Twitters, uh, at Lucy V. Freeman. That's so not true. You're bloody funny. If it wasn't for your wit and and cleverness on the Twitters, we wouldn't be doing this now. So please, please, please keep those reviews coming as we want to be top of the podcast charts before Pat finds out we've hidden her holiday photos. Ha ha. She should have put them on Facebook, silly woman. <laughs> or maybe Instagram them. That's what the that's what the young things are doing these days. Yay. But people take photographs endlessly. You don't need a special collection of flipping photographs, do you? No, They're so seventies, Pat and Tony. They have not moved on <laughs> at all, are they? <laughs> You referring to Pat's politics? Politics, I bet you shave Dress it, sense. shaving arrangements. If you know what I mean. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet Tony wears a lot of beige slacks. Yeah, I bet that, and there's just kind of a lot of florally, kind of vaguely ethnic-y type stuff in their house. Mm. Do you think he's got an Are You Being Served box set? <laughs> <laughs> the professionals, absolutely. That's Tony down to a T. Tony down to a D. Mm. All right, uh, Luce. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skedaddle because right. I've got like uh, parental duties to okay. do. But as always, this has been uh, fantastic, quite emotional. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, it's induced the odd smile and titter from me. So on that note, I'd like to say goodbye. And so would I. Goodbye. Goodbye, good people that listen to Dum Dum and love the Archers. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.